G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Mark Fine. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the Round 9 Review Edition, uh, recorded uh, Sunday night, just after the conclusion of the final game of uh, another packed, action-packed weekend of footy, as I say a very good evening to my co-host Mark Fine. How are you, Fine? Good, mate. How are you? Um... And then we'll get to how you are, I'm sure, during the program. Oh, no. No, I'm, uh, yeah, no, I could lie. I'm, I'm not great, but uh, that's got nothing to do with the football. So I'll let you guess what that's about. <laughs> of course, uh, it's, um, it probably is indicative of the fact that you were working today, didn't have time to get to Andrew's Hamburgers, 144 Bridport Street, Albert Park, but you will be there. Very importantly, though, they are not open on Sundays. That's why you didn't go there, and I, <laughs> I, I make a point of that, because you would be there to queue up for Monday. Well, actually, I got a tweet from someone today um, saying that they'd actually driven up from oh. Mor- Mornington Peninsula today. So, okay, that's a bit of a fault of ours. Um, sorry, sorry about that. But, I didn't uh, know that. But they're certainly open on Thursday at 1pm. Yes, and that means... We are inviting all of our podcast listeners and your friends to join us at Andrew's Hamburgers at 1pm. Now, we'll be joined by special guest Mike Sheehan. There'll also be uh, Stephen J. Peak and Troy Zantuck from the old SEN days. The first pe- three people to come up to Rowan or myself after 1pm, so they'll be right on 1pm. And that's only Finey or me. And say the word footyology. Preferably one syllable. Yes. Footyology. Oh, no, actually, it is one syllable. Actually, on. if you say it in, like, Gough Whitlam's voice, footyology... You would, no, I won't do any more political jokes. No, no. You will, the first three footyologists who say footyology will win free lunch, burger, chips and a drink, and a footyology cap. Then everybody else thereafter who orders a burger as part of the footyology party gets free chips and a drink anyway. Now, we'll have to make sure we're easily recognisable, Fine. Oh, who would not recognise two men that are already halfway through their third burger. <laughs> well, I'm the fat one with the stupid moustache. And I'm also the overweight one with the not stupid moustache. Now, Nick Spartels will be there. And, of course, he's of Nick Spartels. And Hardwick Build Co., we know that they built for the stars. And because of his wonderful house build for Mike Shee, and Mike's going to be there. So you can talk a little bit of house building. And Nick... Fairly famous after having been wrapped up on Triple M's hot breakfast a couple of times last week. Nick Spartels and Bill K. Let's get back to our core business. And it was a nail-biting round of footy in many games. Many. So, not uh, the last game. Not, not, not the last game, which we'll get to. But, uh, yeah, a few uh, very thrilling finishes. A couple by a kick. Or one by about a kick. Um, mixed round of uh, quality too like I, I thought uh, I thought the game down at Geelong was a ripper and plenty of scoring uh, in contrast to what I saw at Marvel Stadium last night which yeah, was yeah. a diabolical game but of footy. still close it was yeah still close I'm, I'm not sure if that's a saving grace anymore but that's an argument for another day the results though 
yeah, four points are so valuable. And, I mean, we'll go through the game shortly, but I think it's been done already. Are we at Footyology willing to put a line through one of the pre-season premiership favourites, Melbourne? Yes. I want, you know, at three-quarter time... I was not putting a line through them, but mm. so important are the actual ladder positional points mm. that losing that game is, it, it's not symptomatic of anything because I thought they played quite well. Well, I think there's a bit of that going on this year. I, I think I, I wrote or said or whatever during the week that, you know, I think the sides that will get there will be the sides that are able to produce somewhere near their optimum most consistently, rather than the ones that have the high highs, but also have the lower of lows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, I, I think you're likely to see teams that aren't necessarily that spectacular, but just efficient up there. I mean, it's, that's not rocket science, is it? But, you know, there are teams that are out of the running that are capable of, of playing blistering footy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you yeah, the, it's that stage of a season where just getting the... The W beside your name is important, and I don't think that necessarily uh, adds up to fantastic quality football because it probably needs um, it probably means more desperate, desperate, ri- well, more risk aversion. I yeah, was say, say desperate, desperate to get the four points. Yeah, uh, win at all costs. There's not going to be much expansive, beautiful game being played by a lot of teams. Yeah, yep, no fair point. All right, well, there's there's the round in a nutshell. Let's now drill down on nine games in vast and gory detail. On Footyology, wrap around. Rightio, let's start over in Perth on Friday evening. Optus Stadium, 51,000 people there. Gee, they get some great crowds over there these days, and so they should because they've got uh, a very successful team, in fact, the reigning Premier. And they notched up another win and uh, weren't great again, but got the win. Again, 13-7-85, 16-point victors in the finish over a wasteful Melbourne, 9-15-69. And uh, Demons will be cursing their inaccuracy and wastefulness because uh, they certainly played well enough to win that game. Uh, for the Eagles, Kennedy, four goals, two each to Rioli, Shuey and Cripps, singles to Ryan Darling-Sheed, three goals to Jeff Gartlett for the Demons, two to Petrarca, two to Hunt. Uh, singles to Jones and Smith. Elliot Yo, probably the standout for the Eagles. Kennedy, good. Uh, a pretty good game from him, and they need him firing, obviously. Shannon Hearn, terrific off halfback. Sheed, Shuey, Gaff, the usual suspects. Max Gorn, uh, valiant performance in the ruck. Um, James Harms, pretty good for them. Uh, Jaden Hunt, um, Interesting game by Sam Frost. Did some really good stuff and made a couple of absolutely shocking clangers. Uh, Garlett and Petrarca also not bad for the Ds. But in the end, as we alluded to at the start, uh, another loss for them and they are, well, G-A-W-N, gone. And yeah, that is a, that's a good... Um, it's it's almost uh, unfair that they are gone. Mm. Yeah, because well, he, he personally was, I think taking them to a, a, a season-resurrecting victory. So yeah. to associate his name with the end of the season is a tad unfair. And they've had uh, they've had two good wins over there, actually, in the past two years, haven't yeah. they? So al- almost a third. They clearly uh not the same ground every time, but they, um, you know, they don't mind going to Perth. But you've got to know your opportunities when you get them, and, and they didn't. The, look, I want to talk about West Coast. We'll, we'll talk about Melbourne. But the West Coast Eagles... I sort of did a bit of research because 
We know that they were the premiers last year, but I was wanting to see how they tra- were tracking during the season proper because they really came to the fore towards the end of the season was my sense of how things went. But actually, they were starting, they were definitely playing better, far better over at Optus than they are this year. So even though they're getting the wins on the board, and last year it did come to them a little bit later than last season, than um it came to them later in the season. Mm. They're not tracking anywhere near as well as they were last year, especially at home. No, they're not. Um, I think the big difference is the scope for improvement over the back half of yeah. the year in terms of personnel. You're, I know you're energised by Willie Rioli's return. Yeah, and um, I will get onto that a bit later in Hot or Not, but uh, you've got a, a certain guy called Nat Nui on the way back. And I know, look, we can't expect the world from him, but I think even... You know, I think even a 75% Nick Nat is a pretty valuable asset. Um, so I think they're going okay. Uh, you know, I, I think if you look at most defending premiers that end up doing something the next year, um, they have their ups and downs the season after. In fact, that's, I, I must sort of do a bit of research on that because right off the top of my head, my memory is a, a lot of sides that end up going back-to-back their second season is a lot bumpier than the initial season they won the flag. Brisbane actually is an exception. But even going back to like Carlton in 81-82, you know, it was the second league of that was much harder for them. So I reckon, you know, given the obs- given the the way everyone comes after you when you're the reigning Premier, I think given personnel they've had out and, and down on form, I reckon they're tracking pretty well considering and uh, they're very, very much in, in the hunt for me. The... Improvements can come, as you said, obviously Natanui, Willie Rioli. Can they come from any players who are down on form or or have a sort of a trajectory, projection of, a trajectory of um, improving over the next few weeks, younger players? Because I know people will point to Kennedy and Darling may be more functional in the forward line, mm. but I think this is what Kennedy and Darling are a bit. Yeah. Are there any players within that team, any youngsters? I know, look, we like Petrocelli. Can he get more of the ball, perhaps? Can... Geez, fast. Yeah, unfortunately, speed, he is. But you know what? Speed doesn't win you the ball. Speed's great when you've got the ball. Mm. Can he... because who, ran he... him, who ran him down? Was that uh, was it Tom McDonald that ran him down? Ripped his jump. They don't make yeah. jumpers like they used to, do they? <laughs> that was just torn to shreds. I think the jumpers are made by the same company that make jumpers for the uh, entertainment of Bucks Nights. Yeah. <laughs> or edible undies. Yeah, like it just comes off in one. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's amazing. Um, but he, he's got to be one of those candidates. So I, I guess, I don't know, I guess guys like... Um, I'd like to see more from, say, Tom Cole. What about um, Venables? Yeah, these players... Look, Venables has probably been the 23rd player for a while. Mm-hmm. Don't forget played in the um, grand final last year. Yeah, he? Don't, yeah, he yeah. did. Uh, don't forget did. too. You got Brad Shepherd back in that team. Now yeah, too. I mean he's great. Yeah. He's he's a reliable. Look, Barras will be back by the end of the year. Yeah, an important part of their backline. Mm. What do you make of McGovern's year? Not for mine. Nowhere near as good as last. No, no. But again, um, you suspect he's a guy that you know will rise to the yeah. occasion. Yeah, I think they've got a taste for it now. I think they've. You've got a lot of faith in them. I have. I, I, you know, I, I think the you know the travel thing isn't a, a factor anymore. They've they've tasted success, which you know makes you allows you to deal with the big occasion a bit easier. 
and I think I think they've got talent to burn. Um, and again, when we get to hot or not, I'll expand on that a bit. Just quickly on the demons. Um, yeah, I mean it'll be a pity that they're out of the running, given we know what they're capable of. But you know, you you just you got to you got to get the wins, and they haven't, and they started the season poorly. Yeah, the for Melbourne. The arrival, the imminent arrival, say, of Lever in the back line, who is needed if he can be the Jake Lever that they recruited from Adelaide, it comes too late, doesn't it? I, I spoke to some Melbourne supporters at a, a function we co-attended this morning, and they thought that Stephen Ray might come back as a forward. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, seems a bit of a waste to me. Well, if Jake Lever does fill a key position down back before May gets back... Mm. Um, well, what have they recruited him for? I mean, Jake Lever was yeah, always... Yeah, what did they recruit him for? To be a backman, I would have thought. <laughs> you know, with Jake Lever there, it was a, it was an interesting targeted selection, wasn't mm, it? It's an interesting one. May has come and gone, but May has not appeared. Well, I don't think many people... May have, is halfway through, actually. I'd, uh, very good. I don't think many people would have expected Melbourne to be out of the running nine rounds into the season. And look, I mean, mathematically, they're not. They're two games out. But I just think there's such a cue ahead of them now. I mean, as the ladder stands now, there are six teams outside the eight ahead of them, you know, so they've got a fair bit of ground to make up and their percentage is rank. You know, they're actually, in fact, that's unbelievable. Their percentage is 76.2. Frio, who are outside the eight, they're 110.4. I mean, that's a massive percentage gap to make up. Yep. So, yeah, I think done and dusted for that. All right, that's enough on Friday night. Let's move on to Saturday. MCG, Saturday afternoon. Gee, I love those Saturday afternoon games, Fine. It's yep. It feels like a, a step back in time those days when you go to one, doesn't it? But uh, beautiful day. Yeah, it was a beautiful day um, for football. And a great crowd too, uh, 60,702 at the MCG. And they saw was a, a pretty entertaining game, I thought, and uh, a pretty even contest right up until last quarter uh, when the Pies put the foot down. And away she went. Final score, 17-112. 41-point victors over the Saints, 10-11, 71. Good spread of goal kickers again for the Pies. Four to Majacek, three to Reed, three to Stevenson, two each to Sidebottom, Thomas and Varco. Tim Membry, uh, four for the Saints, and two to Young Young. What's his first name? Robert, Young. Robert Young or Marcus Welby, MD. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, I thought uh, he was impressive. So they've recruited well this year, the Saints. Um, best uh, side bottom, uh, unbelievable, particularly early. Grundy, dominant in the ruck. Uh, Reed, good value up forward. Yeah, he, he, he um, just he drifted across a number of times to mm. make his presence felt. What do they do about what now, if it doesn't happen next week, Cox. Is, yeah, is is the dropping of Cox. I reckon he's they've really, you know, taken this very slowly because they want to give Reed every chance. And now they've come to a point where, you know, they're gonna to have to make a decision. One of them is gonna to have to play in the VFL next week. It's a great problem to have. Oh, yeah. I mean we we discussed this the other week. I, I still I'd still lean instinctively towards Cox because I, I think I'm not sure Reed's capable of doing what Cox did in the preliminary final last year. Yeah, but that's funny, isn't it? I think it's generally agreed Cox's best is the best of the two, but Reed is more likely to make a 
a meaningful contribution each week. Yeah. To go for consist- you know what? When you're striving to win a premiership, I think you have to go for um, the the best possible result, mm. which is Cox. I agree with you. Do you know what I mean? It's You know, Reid is a, a good contributor against the St Kilda, against Carlton last week, etc. But when you get to the pointy end of the season... Cox beat Richmond. Cox knocked Richmond out of the running last year. Yeah. You can't leave a play like that out of the team. No, that's that's my thinking. Um, just a word on your Saints because I thought up till half time that they Three actually quarter time. Though. Well, no, but up in, like to half time they're absolutely dominating play. In fact, I, I wrote it down at one stage. At the second second quarter, at one stage, it was seventeen to three inside fifties. Yeah. That was with five minutes left in the second quarter. And out of that, they'd scored 2-5 to Collingwood's two straight. So yeah. absolutely wasting it. And they'd had 85% of game time in that quarter up to that stage in their forward half. Exactly the same as the third quarter against GWS. Mm. Just dominant. Uh, they are kicking the ball. They're bobbing the ball in from too far out. They, they are on, on the... Uh, they work the ball with the permission of the opposition, as, as opposition teams do... 80 metres out from goal, you can you get a lot of space there because it's not a dangerous spot. And they can't seem to get a hit-up kick in the 50 thereafter. Mm. So it's to the top of the square or 30 metres out. And a team like Collingwood. Now, St Kilda have got some presence on the ground. That's okay. The ball comes to the ground. But a team like Collingwood, that's a beautiful back line. Did you see Langdon operate in those confines on certain occasions? Um Side bottom gets back there. Pendlebury gets back there as well. They're just not going to get that return against the better teams. So they need another way. Their only way really was Savage kicking one from outside 50 and, uh, you know, scrapping a goal out of those crumbs. But Collingwood were comfortable in a rearguard action. So while St Kilda dominated numerically and statistically, I think you'll find in the coaches' boxes there was a lot of frustration that St Kilda were bobbing it in and Collingwood were happy to absorb that. If I was a St Kilda person, and I know there's there's no future in doing this, but I couldn't help but look at these sort of performances week in, week out now as they're starting to lose and just go, well, you put A, B, C, D, E and F back in that side and we win. Yeah. It's as simple as that, yeah. you know. You know what's interesting? St Kilda now has to really have some serious discussions about decent players... Who are, who are not going to the next level. They're AFL footballers, no question. Well, hang on. Are, are they taking up space? All right, well, I want to bring up one of them because he, he I wouldn't say much maligned, but I have heard him maligned. Um, I thought Luke Dunstan was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, he, he's been good the last couple of But he of has weeks. been maligned, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, because he's not quick and he's... The ball usage still at times was not AFL elite. Mm. So it's fine. The effort's there, you play him. But is he holding back another from a midfield spot or, for example, next season. Because it's a good have got, look, they've got Dunstan, Nunes, Akers. These players are AFL footballers. Mm. But unlike Billings or Jack Steele, they haven't lifted their game to another level. No, well, I, I would, okay, if you want me to name names, I'd say out of that group you've just named, Nunes is the one I'd be toughest on. Because yep. he's been around longer, hasn't he? And he doesn't really, do, he doesn't bring a lot to the party, He's pretty. He? He's pretty vanilla. Correct. Yeah. Uh, Akers does bring stuff to the party, but not on a regular enough basis. What, what is it? I mean, I, I'm not um, bagging him here. What is it that he brings to the party, Akers? 
he's got the height of all of these desirable big bodied midfielders. Yeah. He's six foot four, like yeah. Cripps and Bontepelli, and he's got a great tank, so he can operate in the midfield. He's good overhead. Um, and he's a beautiful kick at goal. Mm. He's not a great field kick, but he's a lovely kick at goal. So if he does drift forward, now when you can run all day, you're six foot four, you can play in the midfield, you can mark up forward and kick a goal. Well, that sounds like Bontempelli. Yeah. But he can only seemingly do it in uh, fits and starts. But I, th- I think they'll look at someone like uh, Billings, to a lesser extent, Gresham, because he hasn't been in quite as long as some of the guys yeah. we've talked about. But that's but, what they want. They want to see players progress like yeah. Billings and Gresham. Yeah, but sometimes it, it takes a while. You know, like it, it's well, yeah, it's not necessarily a linear progression know, from year let, to year. Nunes is closer to 150 games no, than no. 100. I, he's the one I, I'd be toughest on. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, a very quick question. I might ask this every week. If the grand final were held tomorrow, would you be, uh, and it was Collingwood Geelong, who would you tip? Collingwood. Yeah, I think I'd go the Cats, but I don't know. Uh, when I, say, when I say held tomorrow, yeah. if it was held tomorrow, I guarantee you Dugowie would be playing. I guarantee you Darcy Moore would be playing. Yeah. In fact, only Taylor Adams would not be playing, and he will be playing by then anyhow. I think Patrick Dangerfield would play, and he was on crutches at the end of that game yesterday. Yeah, I, I understand. All right, let's move on and head up to the Gabba. A thriller up at the Gabba, Brisbane, Adelaide, and the Lions prevailing again, 13-15-93, by one solitary point over Adelaide. Got a goal right on the final bell. Not enough, though. 13-14-92. Good spread for the Lions. Cameron, three. McStay, three. Two to Hipwood. Singles to the rest. Three goals to Tex Walker for the Crows. Three goals to Eddie Betts. Two to Bryce Gibbs back in the lineup. Uh, Lockie Neal, we just mark him down as being in their best every week. Another 40-odd possessions for him. Rich Zorko, very good. Andrews, very good in defence. Mitch Robinson continues to serve them well. Big loss for the Crows was Matt Crouch. He can't help but think, uh, had he not been a late withdrawal, they might have got over the line. His brother, Brad, very good for the Crows. Rory Sloan, Lynch, pretty handy. Gibbs, not bad. And Walker, well, he kicked three. Um, He hasn't had a great season, but it was a better sort of performance from him. Nevertheless, Viney, they couldn't get over the line. And I I thought they would. I I thought they'd strung together enough wins in a row and had started to look progressively better. And I thought this will be the one where they sort of show everyone their their, uh, contenders again. And uh, not for the first time in the last year and a half, I've now got my doubts again. And that's taking nothing away from Brisbane, who clearly have matured, and I think this sort of shows it, their ability to fight back from um, uh, being, you know, or sort of losing the initiative, which I think has happened with them a couple of times this year. The, as we spoke in our preview to the program, the value of four points and how just missing out on four points whilst your form might be good, is going to kill teams. Brisbane have again banked another four points to they're use six, a Ross Lionism. They're six and three. They're a game. Correct. They're a game ahead of their entire win tally for last year. When I look at them, do I think that they're a much better team than, say, Melbourne? Not necessarily. Mm. I know. You know, if they were playing tomorrow at a neutral venue, I'd probably pick Melbourne. Mm. I might pick Melbourne, but that doesn't matter because they're six and three, and they got a win against exactly the sort of team that they will be jockeying for position with at the end of the season. So this was an invaluable win, obviously. 
the forward line functionality was the best I've seen for Brisbane in a meaningful game since Chris Fagan took over. I really believe that. Cameron... McStay, Hipwood was very good. They became quite Hipwood conscious. He, he, yeah, he, well, McStay bombing up makes the yeah, difference, doesn't it? Yeah. And that's where McStay took advantage because Hipwood was looking ominous halfway through the third quarter. Mm. He didn't finish that off in terms of goals scored, but he certainly drew a crowd. Mm. And working off that were the likes of Cameron and McStay. So that would be very encouraging for them that they got the sort of game out of... Hipwood and Cameron, who are enigmatic types, in a big performance and a win, that they can go to those two players and say, you know what, you only kick two, Eric, or you kick three, Charlie. You don't need to kick five to have a huge out effect on the outcome. So I think that was a big win for them. They've just got more strings to their bow, haven't they? I mean, the, the additions have... I mean, Cameron's been a great player for them, and yeah, he got injured. But, he, gets, he does mm, get injured. He's yeah. frail. Well, he was injured last year, but I mean, prior to that, he'd been terrific for them. Um, uh, McCarthy, Lincoln McCarthy has been a good pickup for them. Yep. And Lyons has been a good pickup for them. So it just reduces the pressure on the obvious, you know, Zorko, Rich, um, Robinson. It's just more talent in the lineup. I mean, it's, you know, there's no great science about that. They've just compiled a, a, a list full of pretty reasonable talent. I think that, that home ground advantage has come back into play. Um, and what's important for them, they have a key defender who can play on every single forward and beat him. Andrews? Yeah. Yeah, no, he's very, very good. It's important to have that. So, okay, we're nine rounds down, so there's 13 games left. There's six wins. They need to win seven of their last 13 to play finals. Will they do it? Um, yeah, I think they can. Yes, I'll say yes. But well, they can. But I don't, I think they will. I'll, I'll back them. But I don't think it matters if they do or they don't. This year has seen them improve, make that that leap, that big, the hardest leap of all from promising but nowhere near a finals contender to a team that's in the mix. So, you know what's really important for them is next year. Because we've seen a few teams do that and slide back. Mm. I don't think it matters whether they're in 7th, 8th, ninth, or 10th. If they get... 11, 12, 13 wins, then this is the year that could be the platform for their for them being a power in the years to come. And, <clears throat> pardon me, quick final word on the Crows. Where, where are they at? <laughs> I'll say it again. Four points lost is not acceptable. A team that has started to build momentum. It's a tricky game away. We give Brisbane credit. What went wrong for them? <sighs> I, I Their forward line also worked. Lynch... Walker and Eddie Betts were, you know, they sort of worked together. Mm. They lost by a point. I don't want to talk about them in any, um, I don't want to be damning of a team that lost by a point away to a side that I think will make the eight. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. And and that's the way the seasons are headed now, isn't it? But I can't help but go back to, you know, mid-season two years ago. They're, they're a shadow of that team. Yeah. Okay, for people who thought that, you know, they were a sleeping giant or... Yeah, I, I thought they could be, and they're not. They're not. They are not. They're not a giant. They're not a dwarf. What's no, in between? Me and you, and yeah. every other normal person. And a dog named Boo. Yeah. <laughs> a, either a very, either the Ruckman in the uh, midget team of the century or the <laughs> Rover in the giant team of the century. All right, that's enough on that game. We're headed down now to the Cattery. 
All right, now this was a rip snorter of a game, Finey. Twilight Saturday, Geelong and the Western Bulldogs. Um, and the Bulldogs hadn't won there for a long time, and they still haven't won there for a long time. But bully to the Bulldogs for not going there and, and trying to... Um, Minimise their damage. Correct. Yeah. That, that, was not, that was not a damage control attitude. I mm. like that. No, they took them on. I'll tell you what, I like reading the scoreline. 21-7, 133, the Cats. 44-point winners in the end over the Bulldogs. 13-11-89. Misleading final scores, however. This was a tight game. And I think until um, it was quite late in the third quarter, the doggies were within a kick. Yep. Um, uh, but Geelong again, like good teams do, put the foot down six one to just one goal two in the last quarter. So a bit like the Pies, really dominated yep. when it mattered. They can score heavily there quickly, can't they? And, and this is where they're a, a big spread of goal kickers. Eleven individual goal kickers for them. Four to Hawkins. Three to Rowan and uh, first gamer, Darcy Fort. He's Darcy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Darcy Fort. Nice body on him. Um, okay. Uh, three to Duncan. <laughs> three to Duncan and two to Ablett. And for the doggies, they had a good spread of goal kickers too, but uh, only twos to Bontempelli and Wallace and the rest all singles. Mitch Duncan tends to sort of uh, not fly under the radar, but he's very much the sort of fifth musketeer almost. Uh, in that Geelong midfield, but a terrific game from him. Dangerfield, as you'd expect. Tomahawk, very threatening every time the ball went up forward. Jack McRae, the accumulator for the Bulldogs, very good. Good game by Mitch Wallace. Um, Bailey Smith, East Melbourne's finest mullet, uh, and he, his rising star odds would be shortening by the week, I'd think. Big third quarter from Bontempelli, kicked uh, a couple of booming goals. One in particular was an absolute ripper. And Toby McLean. Uh, there was a late change in that game too. So Fort came in for his debut with Reece Stanley, a ductor replaced in selected side. Ooh, I wonder if a few people look at that and go, oh no, not, not Reece Stanley getting injured again. Danger, as I said, was on crutches at the end of the game, but it sounded like it wasn't that bad. Uh, Kane Corn certainly didn't think it was that bad anyway. He basically accused him of faking it. <laughs> and uh, Matt Suckling injured for the doggies. 31,000 down there at GMHPA. That's Stadium. all that fits in well, there. Well, I didn't think they could. I thought the capacity now is about 25. So that's uh, interesting. Yeah, yes. Um, so what do you make of that game? As I said, I admire the Bulldogs for going down there with a winning mindset. But I'll for a team like the Bulldogs that don't have a potent forward line... You don't enter into shootouts with Geelong down there. It's a, oh, I, I admire it, but it was a quick trip to the. It was a quick trip to the um, long trip home. Mm. Well, you got to get a good start at venues like that, don't you? And they did. I mean, they kicked four in the first quarter. Unfortunately, yeah. the Cats kicked six. Yeah, that's right. The Geelong. When you think that they have not really had their full midfield in. In any game, you know, many goal is out, Selwood yeah. out, better Selwood comes in, and they just can't get the band together. Mm. Yet their midfield is the best in the comp, equal with Collingwood's. Yeah, so it just shows you how is it Stephen Wells that we give credit to again? He often, at some point in the year, is labelled the man who arc, the architect behind the rise to ascendancy to power. Well, I guess he's he's mentioned less these days because unlike 10 years ago, um, you know, th- this side isn't built around a clutch of draftees. It's it's built as much around uh, trade-ins, isn't it? Yeah, I heard Grind Myers interviewed during the week and it was very interesting because he said that he could have been in the Tech Cup a 30-possession midfielder, 35-possession midfielder, but he he believed or 
he didn't say he was told. He, it was indicated to him that he would not be a midfielder in the AFL, because of his size or whatever. Mm. So he played as a small forward. He kicked 50 goals mm. plus. He's from down there, isn't he? I'm pretty sure he's a fellow. Yeah, yeah, he's a lo- I'm pretty sure he's a local, yeah. Now, there's nothing wrong with this. I wonder whether Geelong have any input to some of the talented Geelong Falcons. When they go to the draft, any team can pick them. Mm. And there, were no, there was no hiding him under a bushel. He kicked over 50 goals. Yeah. Any team could have and should have. But it's as though, it's as though he was almost preparing to play the role that Geelong wanted him to play in 2019. Well, if so then Stephen Wells and the entire recruiting and off-field coaching structure there has mm-hmm. a layer of intelligence that other teams don't have. And I admire it. I think it's brilliant. And I wonder whether it happens. Well, it can work otherwise too, can't it? I mean, we all remember still Sidebottom kicking 10, 10 in the grand in final. That, no uh, one wanted him. Yeah, no one wanted him? Well, a, a lot of teams. He wasn't picked number one. Yeah. Where did well, he go? In the, around um, 11 I'm trying to remember. Um We'll look that up. But, uh, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, there, maybe there was a bit of a belief at AFL level, uh, this guy's small forward, you know, that means he's not good enough to be a midfielder. Yeah. But uh, but he was actually told he was good enough to be a dominant midfielder, but was told to play elsewhere. So the Cats remain a game clear of the rest. Yep. Um, Bulldogs, yeah, that hurts. They're now, uh, what, four and five and in 12th spot on the ladder. And there is a cluster of teams on four and five now, five of them, in fact. And their percentage, uh, it's okay, but it's below 100. So um, they're clearly still a decent finals chance. But, uh, you know, you can't help but wonder where do they rank in that sort of catalogue of sides outside the eight now? They are, I think, where do they rank? They rank lowly, unfortunately. Among that group? Not, well, I'm being cruel. At the moment, I'd have them ahead of Essendon. Yeah, but I think when the latter... When the season ends up, I don't think I think they'll be in the bottom five. Mm, okay, that's a big call, but yeah, look, I mean, it's it's very even. Anything can happen. But that's not to say that again there has not been some real steps forward. And we should mention, you know, this is a club that handled the Tom Boyd situation really well during the week. Yep, they lost to football, but with with absolute, you know, op- open heartedly praised his his next move in life, they lost the, the hero of that premiership win almost. Yeah. Well, they've had two guys from that side now retire in their early 20s. Shane yeah. Biggs, the other one. Yeah. So so I, th- I think the club is in a good place. All right. Uh, that's enough from the Cattery. Let's head to Marvel Stadium on Saturday evening. Well, we might spend... You're on your own, mate. Uh, well... <laughs> I, I watched a bit of this game. One of the few games that forced me to... This game forced me to go to another game. Yeah, okay. Well, we won't spend that long on it. Uh, Seven-point win to Essendon in the finish. 8-12-60 to Fremantle, 7-11-53. Neck and neck. The massive halftime tally of 3-7 to 3-5. Essendon clearly playing the better football, but just butchered the ball, unfortunately. 5-11 to three-quarter time. Had it pretty much done and dusted. And got to say, the Dockers did benefit from a couple of very dodgy umpiring decisions, one's one of which we'll uh, focus on a little bit later. 
And uh, basically, that got them back in the contest. But Essendon hung on and uh, won by seven points. This is one of those games you mark down the win, and it's never to be spoken of again. It was that bad a game. Both sides fumbly, uh, butchering the booty, uh, footy by, uh, by foot. Um, McDonald Tip and Woody, the talisman of Essendon, he kicks a goal they win this season, and it happened again. Three to him, and Dylan Shield broke his duck. I got a goal, did he? Well, he got two goals, uh, two in a doubled row to his, basically. His uh, tally. And the second one was a ripper. It was a terrific snap, and he he was pretty good again. I thought uh, certainly in their best um, three or four. The other um, plus for the Bombers, I thought Kyle Langford, who came back into that side, and yes, I'm a fan. I met him on Thursday night, actually, terrific young fella. Um, but I thought he was really good in the midfield, so hopefully now he can build on that and become part of that first choice. 22, beyond that, probably the usual suspects, Heppel very good, Merritt very good, and for the Dockers, their usual suspects, Fife, Mundy, um, uh, Brad Hill wasn't too bad, Blakely showed a bit. I can't help but think with the Dockers, though, we were talking about the... Actually, Matthew Lloyd was saying pre-game, he felt that their midfield was deeper than Essendon's. I, I beg to differ, and I, without wanting to say I told you so, I think in the end, Essendon's midfield depth proved superior, and that probably helped them win the game, because I, I'm not sure what they've necess- I think there are other midfielders, Freo, beyond Fife and Mundy, tend to be real outside types, like, like a hill, and, and they can't sort of win that hard contested ball. The... Best thing that Essendon did in the game was curb the enthusiasm of Nat Fife, and I think the other most important midfielder in the team, along with Mundy, Ed Langdon. Now, mm. Ed Langdon started very well, but they shut him down, and accordingly, there's not a lot else, is there? Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't think so. They've got. I mean, Walters, you know, sort of has spells through there, but he's not going to be a guy who's going to sort of play a. a Bulk of his game time midfield. There's not. I think you need. I think you need bigger rotations. They've than got they've wingers got. and flankers of any team that don't look like they can go and halfback flankers. Most teams I look at their their halfback flankers, wingmen and forward flankers, even pockets, and I think to myself, you could easily play in the midfield. And I look at theirs and think, you can't play in the midfield. Yeah. No, I, th- I think it might be their undoing. And uh, I tell you what, if if they allegedly play a faster, more entertaining brand of footy. I don't want to watch them when they're playing their uh, doer, um, you know, sort of stodgy brand of footy because pretty hard to watch, I reckon, at times. Anyway, that was it. 29,000 at Marvel Stadium. Essendon broke their string of three losses in a row with a win. Fremantle lose again. They're in a bit of strife now. Uh, let's move on down to Hobart. Okay, down to Hobart on Saturday evening, and uh, this was an absolute thriller in the finish, and a bit of a turn-up, I reckon, uh, considering, well, they're both down the wrong end of a ladder, but uh, not sure many people tipped the Swans, but they did prevail. Two wins in a row now for the Swans, both by under a kick. 11-11-77, defeating North Melbourne, 10-12-72. Quick. More than both by a kick, as pointed out by my daughter. Mm, what do you mean? They were the same a straight, scores. A straight kick. No, they were the same scores. Oh, were they? 77 to 72. I'm right. pretty sure. 11-11-77. Lord Nelson, as Rex used to say. Two goals to Turner and the rest all singles for the Roos and for the Swans. Great effort by little Tommy Papley with four goals and two to Florent and singles the rest. Jack Zebel. Um, played on the ball and did very well, Finey. Jed Anderson's been a good player for them. Robbie Tarrant. 
who's desperate kick into the scoring zone in the end, just couldn't quite find a recipient on the end of it before the bell rang. McMillan, not bad. Simkin, not bad. Uh, George Hewitt, pretty decent job for the Swans. Luke Parker, another good game from him. He's been uh, breathing fire the last couple of weeks. He's back. And Papley, I think he's back too, uh, in goal-kicking form and terrific for them. And uh, Jordan Dawson, good young prospect, isn't he? Yeah, very promising. They need to come out of this season, because they will not be playing finals, they need to come out of the season with new faces, and Jordan Dawson is one. See, have a look at that score from last week. Yes, I know. It's a, I'm, I'm, I just wonder whether that has ever happened before. Oh, I reckon it would have, surely. I'm saying it's very unusual. Exactly the same score for a team. With, you know, 11, exactly 11, the same seven, margin. Yeah, 11-11-77 to 10-12, two weeks in a row. Well, let's see if someone can spend three hours trawling through AFL tables and dig that up for us. Josh K will be on it. Or uh, Sir Swamp Thing on Twitter. He's a very good statistician too. I think he works for Channel 7. At quarter time this game, you would have thought, yeah, it's probably going to script the Ruse uh, three goals to the Swans one, but big second quarter by the Swans, 7-2 to the Ruse uh, 2-2. So that gave them a three-goal-plus lead at half-time. They increased that at three-quarter time, in fact, led by 27 points. All over, she wrote, you thought. But back to the first quarter. A repeat, the Ruse kicking 4-5. Had their chances. Jared Pollock uh, snagging a goal from the boundary with a minute or so left on the clock. And the Swans held to one goal in the final term. But they hung on. And uh, a deserved win. And, uh, well, they're not back in town because their start has cost them. But uh, you look at them, you look at Melbourne, you think, well, there's some teams down the uh, bottom end of the ladder that are pretty capable on their day. Absolutely would have been larceny had North Melbourne left with the four points. Mm. Off the scale, actually, that second quarter, when you think of North Melbourne's time at Blundstone, they really play that ground very well. And to think that they could be outscored seven goals to two by a struggler in Sydney came from nowhere. Quite frankly, their form leading up to that quarter had been good, hadn't it? Their yeah. game against Geelong was meritorious. Yep. They had win, a win before that. And they started off the game not possession-wise in control, but because of the tricky conditions down there, it looked as though Sydney might be sort of uh, floundering for a score. I really, it came from nowhere. Mm. One goal, four, I thought, look, they don't have a power pack forward line. It's hard to, the conditions are hard there. You need to be accustomed to it. And they banged on seven goals. And it just reminds you that the Sydney Swans are not the Sydney Swans of old, but they are not going to go from the competition's most consistent finals performer over a decade and a half to... Easy beat basket cases in a year. They, they do that though, don't they? Like, I don't know why I just went back to this, but uh, when you mentioned that, you know, the burst came from nowhere. Remember, I'm sure you do the '05 preliminary final against your boys. Yeah, that came from that came right from seven goals, wasn't it, in the last quarter? That came from the depths of hell, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure you felt it. Yeah, but um, it just was. Well, that was a blitz. This was a similar sort of a blitz. It really was. And North Melbourne, unfortunately, were. What they are criticised for is that they're a bit slow. They look, they can be a bit slow. And they, to me, look flat-footed in that second quarter. I know teams always look slow when they don't have the ball, but I really think that they got burnt a few times for leg speed in that second quarter. And that is where Sydney took great store. 
It was as though they realised we're going to take the game on. We're going to use the corridor a bit, and we're going to we're going to um, run with the ball. We're going to, we're going to rather than clip clip clippity clip. We're going to take this game on, and it worked well. So they move up to fourteenth. The Swans now they're uh, what three and six, yep. but uh, three and six. Yeah, yeah that's three, right. Three, yeah, so three, two games out of the eight. Yep. Um, same points as Melbourne. So if we're saying Melbourne can't make it, we say the Swans can't make it. If which of those two teams would be more likely to launch an unlikely run at the top eight? Melbourne for mine. Yeah, 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 because their highs are higher. Yeah, and because the Sydney Swans, even if when they welcome back Buddy Franklin, they just not score. They they kicked seven goals in a quarter. There, they still kicked eleven. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I talked about I talked about a quarter of brilliance, but it's it's generally pretty hard graph for them, isn't it, to score at the moment? It, I'm just I'm looking at the ladder and thinking, are North the most disappointing team of 2019? And I guess given that I put them in my um, pre-season final eight and they're seventeenth on the ladder, a game beneath Gold Coast, you'd have to say yes. Would you? Yeah, oh, I guess Melbourne, Melbourne are. Yeah, I think Melbourne hold but that. But well, those two, yeah. I reckon. Um, did you think North would be better this year? I certainly did. Um, no. Okay. Better than last year, you mean? Yeah. Or better than they're performing? I definitely thought they'd or be both. better. I thought they'd be better than they were performing. I didn't see a lot of improvement in them from last year. I know they picked up Pollock. I think the other guys they picked up were given to them for a reason because they had deficiencies in their game. You know, Dom Tyson is. He's been to two clubs for a reason mm. before North Melbourne. Um, I don't feel as though they addressed... And for me, they lost the player that was a point of difference in the second half of last season and actually made them dangerous to anybody, which was Jack Dor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Commanding down back, ferocious in the ruck, or go forward and win a game or two. Incidentally, just before we finish off, uh, I mentioned shocking free kicks before. There was a shocker in this game too. Marley Williams got pinged for deliberate out of bounds. Yeah. Did you see that yeah, one? Yeah, I did. He got pushed onto the kick. Yeah, terrible. Oh. There must be, they must be a clear, a clear rule, and that clear rule must state that if a player is, you know, if the ball is, if you kick a ball intentionally out of bounds, but another player touches it, it's thrown in. Correct. Mm. I think if you kick the ball, and as you kick it. Any hands are on you, it cannot be intentional. Mm. The benefit of the doubt has to go there. Whereas that's intentional, but I saw today Scott Lysette, the ball was kicked around the wing to him, and he decided not to mark it. He was on his own, and he literally tapped it two-handed to the boundary umpire on the full. But for some reason, deemed in a marking contest, even though he was on his own, it's not intentional, when all he was doing was intentionally putting it out of bounds. Yeah, I'm not sure the umps have had a, a great few weeks, to be honest. Um, all right. that's We don't say that. That's uh, No, well, apparently we don't, but we just keep saying it since we said we don't I say don't it. I don't say it. You just did. Um, did. Let's move on to Sunday. All right, over in Adelaide, uh, can't say I was frothing at the mouth of anticipation about this one. Oh, it was a good game up to, you know. Yeah, in, the, in the wet, well, let's give the scores. Yeah, Port yeah. Adelaide, 13-11-89, 38-point victors over Gold Coast in the finish, 7-9-51. Uh, played in the wet, was always going to be a bit of a slog. Uh, really stuck to their guns for, well, at least three quarters of Gold Coast. I thought they were um, 
they were pretty good. In fact, they wet at quarter time. They wet at half time with a goal right on the siren. Who did kick that? Ben Ainsworth, that's right. And, and he, he played got, well. And he got poked in the eye by a teammate as a result. Uh, he did play well. Uh, but after half time, all one way traffic. In fact, the Suns only kicked 1 2 in the second half to the Powers, 7 goals, 8. So a bit of a massacre, and you could see it coming a while out. In fact, I did write this down at the time. Finally, in fact, Gold Coast went nearly a full quarter without a single inside fifty. Do you believe that they didn't? Yeah, yeah. From uh, the eleven minute mark of the third quarter till about at least five minutes into the last quarter, didn't have a single inside fifty entry. Um, and uh, before Port started to sort of put it on the scoreboard, you could see the dominance in play. I think late in the third quarter, that had eighteen to four inside fifties. And it kicked one goal six from that to one one for the Suns. So the writing was on the wall, a fair way from home. And uh, yeah, the Suns unfortunately young list, not seasoned, not strong, and uh, this is going to keep happening to them. I think they'll match sides for a while and then uh, basically wilt. Could you read out the AFL official best players for Gold Coast? Uh, yes, it reads Fiorini. Absolutely played a good game. Bowes. Was very good, especially early. Ballard. Impressive. And McPherson. How you can put McPherson in the best players. This game was in the balance, right? Mm-hmm. There was a real arm wrestle in the third quarter. Gave away three free four kicks. In a row. And four in a row. Yeah. Three of them were the most intentional, petulant, stupid freeze you will ever see. Mm. Literally, the game is in the balance. Gold Coast clear their lines four times. And four times it comes back inside 50, not on the back of Port Adelaide's good play, because one player went bananas. You don't put him in the best, you drop him. What was going on with McPherson? Well, what if he, he didn't, but what if he, in addition to that, had 48 disposals and kicked four goals? So you, would you leave him out of the best just on the back of those yeah. free kicks? Yeah, you know what? That's could, a bit petulant. Well, he didn't, but he cost them the game. Oh, no, it didn't cost them a game. That, I'm telling you. It didn't help the momentum, but... They they were clearing their lines. They were they were actually defending really well. Yeah. And every time they got it out of 50, it wasn't even... Like, three of them were not even... Gold Coast had the ball. They were they were on the move. Yeah, I know, but the weight of numbers would have told yeah. in the finish. Yeah, but he has to be held... Very rarely do you see one player give away four frees in three minutes or four minutes. Yeah. Well, again, and I know I've said this before and I'm not excusing them, but I noticed that they only listed four players in Gold Coast best. We used to have an unwritten rule. You had to have at least six. You know who I like for the Gold Coast? Who? Josh Corbett. Oh, yeah. He's been good for them. Bit of a target, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And they needed it. Look, I still think think their season overall has been good. It has has been. Yeah. I mean, no one expected them to win a game. They've won three. And... and, and Testimony to how tight fought the game was until McPherson released the shackles, and I really feel he did, was they just, the the commentary on TV and all the uh, graphics were about close finishes. They were really preparing for another nail bite. So, hang on, they've been involved in three... Three wins by under a goal, two losses by a point. Yeah, right, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, and given the age and population on the Gold Coast, they've probably (laughs) probably killed three or four hundred Gold Coast people. (laughs) Can I be really cruel and say after last night I'm not sure that'd be a terrible thing? I think Gold Coast. I think that that seat was one. I watched the whole uh, election, mm. and that was one where there was not a huge swing away from the Labor Party. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's miraculous in Queensland. Well, there, well, there's no coal mine on the Gold Coast. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, let's head back to the MCG. 
And uh, good game, this. I, I really enjoyed this game, although in the end it was a, a fairly comfortable win. Big crowd too, 64, nearly 65,000 at the MCG to see the Tigers and the Hawks and the Tigers strutted their stuff pretty efficiently in the finish. 14, 11, 95, 36 point victors over the Hawks. 8, 11, 59, Caddy 3, Lynch 3. Two goals to Dusty Martin, who I will elaborate on later. So let's not um, oh, yeah, okay. let's not go early on that one. And singles to the rest for the Hawks: three to Luke Bruce, two to Scully, and singles the others. Yeah, Dusty Martin. Uh, yeah, I'll expand on this, but it was vintage Dusty. It was 2017 Dusty. He was fantastic. He he developed during the game. From you know, when I started watching the game, I thought, "Come on, what is going on with Dusty Martin?" He's he's sort of Mailing it in, mm. and then he got that. He's best when he goes a bit possession hunting and ball hunting. Yeah, no, terrific game from him. Bashar Hawley, gee, he's been a great player for Richmond. He has. I wonder if anyone listening ever sort of thinks about that and think, why do we they ever really let him should go? think about that? Well, uh, makes you wonder about uh, how he was used. Uh, Ellis, pretty good. Prestia, having a good season, I think, isn't he, for the Tigers? He's been pretty impressive when I've seen him. He's a consistent man. Vloston and uh, Bolter, who oh. is um, is no Bolter because he looks a very likely prospect, I think, for the Hawks. Um, Segla. Um, well, he sort of had to because, look, not for the first time, Hawthorne got decimated during by the injuries, game. Yeah. yeah. Big boy McAvoy, of yes. course, that really hurt them. Didn't Wasn't there at all in the second half. Mitch Lewis concussed. Um, Frawley was a late withdrawal with hamstring tightness. Connor Glass came in for him. And even Bruce got injured towards the end. Yeah, they're not having a great one run with injuries, the Hawks, and they haven't necessarily got the depth to handle it. So I came away from this finding. I'm interested in your thoughts. I just thought Richmond have done really well to struggle through all these injuries, and most of these guys are going to be back, and uh, I reckon they're going to have a real, real serious crack at it in the second half of the season. And the Hawks... You know, I think they can pull out, you know, they were terrific last week and I think they've got a fantastic coach who can mastermind the odd surprise of a better credentialed opponent. I don't think they can do it on a weekly basis. They're not back for a while, these Richmond players. Rance, maybe not. No, he won't be back. Rewalls, Nancurvis and Coxon are all six to seven weeks away. Well, I saw some very encouraging footage of Cochin today training at oh, Punt Road Oval. they said that he had a setback last week. Yeah, but they were saying an extra three or four weeks. If you'd seen this today, you'd think he's not even three weeks away. Was it away. footage? Yeah, yeah. Not superimposed from a previous year? <laughs> no, no. He was, was, there wasn't a different sponsor's name on the back. It didn't have Tetley Tigers or some <laughs> giveaway? No, that was Mick Malthouse doing the <laughs> pre-grand final test in 1982 and Francis Burke. Do you know who, who conducted that test? Uh, I thought Francis Burke did. He he was the person that he had to go up against. Yeah, uh, the ball obviously oh, was who, rolled who out. Was it? The ball was obviously rolled out by um, the coach. Yeah, who was the coach? Yeah, uh, Francis Burke. Yeah, I'm saying so he rolled out. But my great mate Steve Sandor was a club physiotherapist. Oh, is that right? And he was the person who assessed it. And does does he think Francis Burke was too hard on Mick Malthouse in um, the test? He said, and he tells his story beautifully. Um, he has never seen such courage such obvious, extreme pain, and Malthouse did it. But but there's what, what happened was he just passed every test, yeah. every single test, because he, he, had, was, he mentally was able to do it. And do you know what the last thing Francis Burke did? Malthouse was in front. Burke, I think Burke himself was behind, or, or was it another player? 
but he was told, or Burke did it, he held Malthouse's jumper because he knew that Malthouse couldn't break. Yeah. He couldn't put his arm backwards yeah. with the collarbone or the shoulder. And when he did that and Malthouse went to put his arm back to break, to release the, the, the hold of the jumper, he, he just couldn't do it. He, he didn't wince. He didn't scream. He goes, I can't play. He, he knew it. That was the last, last piece of play. Well, very similar story uh, with Alan Richardson missing the 1990 grand final for Collingwood. Lee Matthews did a very similar thing yeah. to him. He got through it, and as they were walking off, he waited till he was relaxed, and then he just gave him the biggest yeah. tip and shoulder, yeah. and Richo was relaxed, and uh, that was the end of him. Anyway, let's talk about 2019. Yeah. What did you make of it? Well, Richmond, uh, we admire them. We tipped them, and we both said it's not who, it's how. Because they've done it so well interstate twice this year, they've gone away and had important wins, tough venues. They came back and beat Hawthorne. Again, because of the mathematics, they can't afford to drop a game, even though no one would blame them if they drop one in the next two or three matches. So they have to keep on keeping on after a bit of a slow start to guarantee a top four finish. I know this. We talk about you. You rightfully, if Collingwood and Geelong met now, who would win? Mm. They don't want desperately one other team in the top four. Oh, Tigers, and that's Richmond. No so Richmond are in the discussion if they can keep on this really brilliant run of winning with so many players out. Absolutely. What were you sold on Soldo? Oh, I thought he did pretty well. I thought he was great when the two Ruckman were playing. I thought he was very good. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's reasonable backup, and you yep. think he can at least hold the fort until Nankervis gets back. You know what's funny? Because Richmond are so beloved of Nankervis, but they have to realise he's not a great ruckman. He doesn't win mm, a lot of no, hits. No, it's around the ground. So Richmond supporters were very pleased with the fact that they were actually, you know, at times winning hit-outs to advantage. It was quite different, and they they liked they liked it. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely on today, and um, big game for them next week. Uh, Dreamtime game, Dreamtime at the G. I know who will start favourite. Oh, I think they'll start very, very, very warm favourites. I think they've beaten the Bombers the last eight times they've played. Now it's mm. uh, fairly imposing record. Anyway, if we build them up a, a, a bit more, hopefully uh, they might stumble. You know what Essendon can win no, next they week? Won't. What? Well, it's now become a bit of a contest for the best jumper. Oh yes, yes. Yeah, no, a lot, work. Of, a lot of work goes into those Indigenous jumpers and they're very fine things to behold. Uh, all right, one game to go. Let's do it. Well, there are a couple of close ones and there was an absolute smashing. And this was it at uh, what is now called Giant Stadium, GWS 2018, 138, 93 point, no, hang on. Yeah, 93 point victors over Carlton, 7 345. Uh, this is a massacre, it really was. Uh, Finlayson, five goals. What a surprise packet he's been up forward. Himmelberg, three. Deledio, back in the team, three. Whitfield, fantastic game from him, three. Daniels, two. Singles, the rest. Harry Mackay kept the flag flying for the Blues, or a little bit, with three. Singles, the rest. Yeah, Lockie Winfield, like I said, uh, sensational game from him. 30-plus, three goals. He's just an absolute superstar. Could you read the score out at halftime? The halftime score was 13 goals, nine to... Which team? Do the teams. Uh, GWS, 13 goals, nine. Leading Carlton, two goals, one. Ba-bow. Incorrect. Why? 
At half-time, GWS 39 lead Harry Mackay, two goals, oh, one. yes, very good. And in fact... Two goals, I mean, heck, he was the only person who hit the scoreboard. Just to give you an idea of their dominance, I did. I made a point of printing out the uh, quarter-time stats. So Carlton kicked the first goal of the game, believe it or not, and in the next, I think it was 13 minutes, uh, GWS banged on seven goals and had 61 to 25 disposals. It was just a tidal wave. And it was all over at quarter time. And at quarter time, they'd had 105 disposals to 69. The clearances were 12-4. They had 21 inside 50s in the first quarter alone. So if they kept that up, it would have been 80-odd to five. Five marks inside 50 to one. Led the contest to ball. Doubled Carlton for tackles, despite the fact they dominated possession. It was just an absolute smashing this and um, very ugly for the Blues. And sadly... I think the Blues have been, you know, I had this discussion with someone at that function we were at today. I think Carlton, there's been obvious improvement by them this year. They have been more than competitive. There's been games where they've played patches of really fluent, you know, attractive-looking football that we hadn't seen from them previously, but today was just a stinker. A couple of things out of the game. Um, given the political uh, political theme of the weekend. You're going to keep coming back to it, aren't you? No, yeah. just given the political theme of the weekend, may I uh, refer to the quavering-voiced leader of the One Nation Party and her most famous quotable quote... Please explain. Patrick Cripps's game? Please explain. What, you thought he was ordinary? He never got the ball. I, mm. mean, he had, I don't know, up, up till halfway through the last quarter, I think he had two kicks. Well, who, eight handballs. Who sat on him? Um, I, I think he just got Shane swapped. Shane Mulford? Well, I'll be getting to that in a minute. Well, do you want to talk about that now? Or is yeah. That, yeah he, okay. he got swapped by... You know, Taranto certainly was with him, and he just got swamped. So uh, you, you thought Shane Mumford's in a bit of strife, do you? Uh, are you familiar with the term accidentally on purpose? Uh, yeah. He is a past master at accidentally oh, yeah. on purpose. Yeah, yeah. He accidentally on purpose ran through Mark Murphy knee first. Now, there will be a hotly contested case, I believe, put forward by GWS. It was accidental, Eddie. Eyes, eyes on the ball and, um, you know, the, the road bump that he, or the, you know, the thing that he smushed on, on his grill, it, it was like watching a truck hitting a moth on a, on a highway. Now, there'll be a claim that that's just incidental, accidental contact. I hope they bring some footage of Mumford to prove that it was not incidental or accidental. That was accidentally on purpose, and they should throw the book at him, but they won't. So what do you think he deserves? He deserves four weeks. You're not going to get four he weeks. He deserves man. four weeks. He put a guy in hospital, could have broken it, his... M- Mark Murphy's in hospital, is he? Straight to hospital. Yeah, okay. Suspected broken ribs, might mm. be a punctured lung. Yeah. Whatever it is, a, the biggest man on the field, intentionally, at speed, ran through... The smallest man on the field, but he is so good at falling on people. At he does it every week. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, cool! I've fallen. I've fallen on you. 120 kilos. I've fallen on your knee first or elbow first. I've seen players do it before. I saw have, Greg Stafford used to do it. He would have been a good uh, sumo wrestler, mummy. Yeah, you know what? He's a bloody good footballer. And back in the day, he would have been allowed in the old VFL in the 80s and before then to be an enforcer. A permanent dangerous menace on the field, but not in the modern game. All right, so very quickly, um, obviously, we're a stinker. Car- we're a car- yeah, well, we're going to get the inevitable, you know, is that the end for Brendan Bolton? 
Uh, in fact, we're, I was discussing this with Carl off air. Um, I, I don't think it can be. I, I think there's been obvious signs of improvement. I think the last few weeks have been particularly good. And I think they're demonstrably closer to where they're trying to get to now than a year ago or two years ago. And to switch the engine driver now, I think, would be madness. You know, in the olden days, the old local suburban restaurant with the Chinese food? Yeah. They used to pad out a lot of their dishes with a very cheap vegetable stroke horror. Yeah. I reckon covered in oyster sauce. Or yeah, something. yeah, I'm saying, but rather than have like nice greens or mushrooms or whatever, do you do you remember what used to be their stock filler to bulk the meal up? MSG bean shoots. Oh yeah, I like bean shoots. Okay, well then you'll like Carlton because they've gone from green shoots to bean shoots. Okay, so in answer to my question, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, well, you can't be green shoots forever. In the end, okay. So do you reckon Bolton should go? Is that what you're saying? No, I reckon you should stay. I'm not. I, I like what Carlton where they are on the ladder. <laughs> so what was that whole analogy? No, no, there? no. I, I've, I'm, I'm being, I'm being honest. Okay. I grew up not liking Carlton. Yeah, and in, you don't like spi- bean shoots. In that spirit, yeah. I'd like Bolton to stay. Okay, so you, you think yeah. he is the problem? No, I don't think he's the problem, but I think whatever message he has for those players, yeah. it's been told, and the net result is they're still on the bottom of the ladder. I think there's some talent there, yeah. and I think it needs to be and it needs to be energised and invigorated by someone else. I reckon if they get to the end of next year and that's the case, fine. I don't reckon you do it now. Anyway, uh, let's, let's see if Carlton's patience can hold. Can I do an instant media watch? I hate what I just did when other people do it. What? Because there's a tendency when you are... What, interrupt? No, no, that's part of, my, part of our stick. Um, I hate when people use adjectives, and because they're not quick enough to think of them, they use the same adjective, the- theosaurus-ized... To describe somebody like, you know, you know, Mumford's a violent, dangerous, um, physically imposing, but they're all the same thing. Yeah. And I'll just say... What he, did you just say? That he has not, he has not um, energised or invigorated the team. Now, they're, they're it basically sounds good, the, though. It but sounds the, good. It's exactly the same word. It's yeah. crap. Yeah. Yeah, I know, but they're impressive sounding words. Yeah. But you're telling yourself off. Absolutely. All right, give yourself an uppercut. Ooh. Have we got an uppercut of sound effect? (laughs) No, we'll be right. Um, All right, that is round nine uh, suitably wrapped up. Let's now talk about the highs and lows of the weekend in football. On footyology, hot or not. All right, I'm going to go first. Uh, We alluded to this off the top. Uh, West Coast, I think they are very, very much a contender. I think they will continue to get better. But no doubt in my mind that two of the absolute keys to that side um, are Liam Ryan and Willie Rioli. And I think, uh, no, I'm not just conveniently lumping them together. I think they tend to feed off each other a bit. And uh, I think one inspires the other. Now, Liam Ryan has had some big moments already this year, but uh, that grab, uh, that is the mark of the year so far. Don't argue, don't argue, Hutton's footy, Frank's the best. And then they would say, goal of the day, and then mark of the day, mark of the year. Correct. This is the first time that they could actually 
do it. It was an absolute belter. It was mark of the day and mark of the year. And uh, pretty good game from him. I mean, you look at it statistically, 13 disposals, but he took seven marks, four of those marks inside 50, so gives that forward line another dimension. Oh, sorry, four marks inside 50 between he and Rioli. Now, Rioli, he's been the missing link for mine. I remember we interviewed Luke Shuey after they beat St Kilda, and he was so pumped about the prospect of Rioli coming back. Well, saw why last night. It wasn't a big game from him, nine disposals. Um, but uh, two goals, one for him. I think he had a couple of goal assists in there as well. And the two of them, they just make that whole West Coast forward setup look so much sharper, I think. And you've got two guys like that running around at the... Well, in Ryan's case, he can be a marking target as well. But running at the feet of Kennedy, Darling, etc., etc., that is one dangerous uh, combination. And I felt like the Eagles have looked a bit flat and a bit stodgy at times this year by their standards. As soon as you put those two guys as a combination in the team takes on a whole different complexion. So they are a massive asset for the Eagles and a main reason I think they're a serious player. Your turn. Hot. Tom Papley. Now, look, here is a a small forward who actually has to take his turn in an ageing midfield. He loses nothing when he has a run on the ball. He's actually very good for his size. Holds his feet. Strong. Balanced. Knows where the goals are but actually is not one of those sort of hungry forward pockets either. I find him to be the next generation best small forward in the game. I guess you would include Willie Rioli, but we know that Eddie Betts' his time has come. I've, I've never liked calling Bruce a small forward. I think he's different to that. He's a crumbing forward, mm. but he also plays a different aerial game. I think Papley and maybe Willie, but definitely Papley will be the star small forward. And as a result, I'd like to see him considered for all Australian honours. Yeah, good call. I like him. I like watching him. Uh, good luck to the lad. All right, a knot for me. And uh, yes, I'm talking about umpiring because I saw on Saturday night at Marvel Stadium, and I've seen a lot of footy finding, as you know, the worst, single worst decision I've ever seen no, made by an AFL umpire. Yeah, it was. Um, and uh, if you don't know already what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the one where late in the final quarter, Essendon's Mason Redman was backing back with the flight of the ball to try and prevent a score. Michael Walters of Fremantle ran flat chat straight at Redman, pushed him in the chest so Redman lost balance. As he lost balance and tried to keep his feet, his hand went out and he brushed Walters' shoulder. That's a friend of Walters. No, because the push was more than five metres off the ball, and he pushed him no, directly paid, in the but chest. But it was paid for a free to Oh, yeah. Well, it was, well, this is how bad it was. They blew the whistle, and the commentators and everyone at the ground just went, oh, free kick, you know, obviously a free kick to Redmond. And when he gave it, everyone's just going, oh, no, 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 no. And then I, I reckon Matthew Nichols was uh, embarrassed about it because um, Redmond and Hurley were just looking at him going, you are kidding, and he wouldn't look at him. He was just looking at Michael Wilders, and I reckon he knew he got the straight away got that one wrong. And, and look, I want to stress here, I mean, they get a lot right too, and footballers make plenty of errors as well, but uh, boy, that was a howler, and uh, quite honestly, the single worst free kick I've ever seen paid. Your turn. Sadly, that's not the worst free kick, the worst decision ever. Not the worst decision ever. Very quickly. Really quickly. St Kilda Essendon in the 90s at Waverley. Tony Brown has a kick 50 metres out. Mm. He kicks it 
right to the goal line. On the goal line, big Stuart Lowe backs back and takes a single grab Stuart Lowe mark. But in doing so, knocks over the goal umpire. The field umpire runs and asks the goal umpire whether it was a goal or not. The goal umpire says he doesn't know because he was on his ass, And the umpire balls it up at the top of the goal square. Well, it was very the, judicious. Oh, no, it was loaded. It, it was either a mark. Yeah. Or a, anyhow, I ran down to the fence. Yeah. I screamed. And I yelled at an official that when I die, come to my funeral and say, that umpire cost me, Mark Fine, two years of my life. <laughs> I'm sure I, was, that... I was that angry. I believe that it has taken two years off my life. Was that the game Essendon won with a, a goal by Darren Buick in the last few minutes? No, it was a game where St Kilda were not expected to win. They showed pluck in the first half and mm. then got absolutely, they got plucked up by Essendon in the second half. Okay. You're uncomfortable. All but right. nevertheless... That caused me angst. Okay. Okay. Uh, Not hot is the crowd at the GWS Carlton game. GWS are now long enough into their time on earth. Which was? 9,599. By the way, the crowds this weekend pointed out Andrew Dimitri is no longer at the AFL because there were two that ended on 99. Yeah, right. He always rounded up. Um, Look, I watched the game... Carlton actually had quite a few supporters there. They do have good support in all states and travelling support. More power to them, given their place on the ladder. We know there are a lot of freebies there. GWS have have been given a marvellous list. They're a great, a very good team, have been almost great at times. And to be honest, in terms of paying customers, they're nothing more than a lowly NRL team. And it's really disappointing. Okay, no, fair enough. Um, hot for me to finish off, and uh, we talked about it before, Dusty Martin. That was vintage Brownlow winning Dustin Martin, and what a sight to behold. He is fantastic to watch in full flight. Um, like you said, Finey, early on, you know, sort of thinking, come on, Dusty, get going. Well, he got motoring very quickly. 37 disposals, 10 clearances. Sorry, 37 possessions, 17 of which were contested. 10 clearances. Six of Richmond's 14 centre bounce clearances were won by Dusty. So he did it in the middle. He also did it going forward, kicked two goals too, had a goal assist, and three tackles too. He's not a noted defensive player. But he just controlled this game. As usual, his disposal was immaculate. As usual, he made the right decisions. Um, he is just a fantastic footballer and uh, an absolute gun. And uh, with him playing like that, Richmond are every chance of uh, doing something serious at the end of September. Finishes off. Here, here. Look, I picked an all-Australian team for the Footyology website. That was my article last week. And I stand by the team. Uh, performance like that by Dustin Martin, again, propels him into the discussion, as does my final hot. Lockie Whitfield wasn't in the team because he'd missed a couple of games. He was in the all-Australian team last year, of course. And he comes back after really missing... Almost a month of football. Wow, is he a good footballer, Lockie Whitfield? He goes straight back into my All-Australian team. Now, there is a star player who was considered when he started maybe a little soft. But he has made, he has created for himself the perfect position of the modern halfback flanker, hasn't he? Mm. The running, goal-kicking, attacking, nevertheless defensively responsible halfback flanker. He is, in my opinion, in the top five players in the AFL. Yeah, no, good call. I agree with that as well. There's your hot or not. And, uh, well, plenty I'm angry about at the moment. And uh, I don't know about you, Finey, but uh, I reckon we should uh, 
have a crack at our next segment. On Footyology, the rant off. All right, I'm wavering between uh, being upset and being angry today, Finey, uh, and I'm going to lean towards the latter with my rant. You ready for it? I have a feeling that this may cover off on a certain voting that was done yesterday, so I will count you in as follows. Three, two, elected. I'm pissed off with myself, Finey. I get too emotionally invested in things, like football and like politics. So I meant last night I was watching two of my teams go around simultaneously with heart in mouth, and I couldn't focus properly on either of them. One was losing the unlosable election, and the other one was doing its best to stuff up a game its opponent didn't look like it wanted to win either. Sure, there was a brief moment of joy when Tony Abbott got turfed in Warringah, but inevitably it was dampened five seconds later as Joe Danner has shanked another shot at goal. Incidentally, I'm really glad Ross Lyons' team are apparently playing this new-look, quick-moving, entertaining football, because if that was entertaining, I can't begin to imagine how bad Frio's interpretation of a dour, stodgy game would look. I'll be honest, for me, it was a pretty shitty night all round. Confusing too. Essendon didn't seem to be presenting any policies other than missing targets and fumbling ground balls, and the ALP just couldn't put its statistical dominance in the polls on the actual tally board. I've got to tell you, caring too much about all this stuff isn't good for your health, so I think it's time I adopted a more pragmatic approach to both sports. Forget philosophical beliefs about wanting a world still fit for my grandkids to inhabit, or that if you're a grubby billionaire like Rupert Murdoch with no ethics, conscience, and you've even relinquished your citizenship, you probably should at least pay some tax on those propaganda eggs not fit to wipe your ass with. Bugger it! I don't give a stuff anymore. I'm just going to worry about my own hip pocket, like everyone else in this country. As for footy, well, given that my team can't seem to string more than about five minutes of decent play together these days, and that a 19-year premiership drought could at this stage end up being closer to 40, I'm going to start treating them pragmatically too. Stuff the wins and losses, they're immaterial. I'm going to gear myself to barrack for the real grand final, the releasing of the annual report. Membership's booming, they're raking in the clams, got sponsors coming out of their ears. On that side of the fence, it's all rosy. And that's what really matters, isn't it, Finey? Sure, I will have sold my soul to become another greedy, selfish, tax-dodging corporate fanboy, but hey, this is modern Australia. At least I'll have plenty of f***ing mates. You know what, Rowan? Take a Bex, mate. You know, you got... I think you got deceived by the pre-election polls. Well, I'm not the... I'm not Robinson Crusoe. I have to, I, there is only one voting that you can rely on to be absolutely guaranteed. Otherwise, the vote is, as we've seen with Jeff Kennett and Trump, uh, the unexpected happens. The only thing you're sure of in voting is that at the Eurovision Song Contest, <laughs> Greece will give Cyprus 12 votes, yes. and Cyprus will give Greece 12 votes. But they'll both finish down the arse end of the tally board. The Cypriot song... Now, I don't want to be rude to Cypriots. I've already said something about Andrew Demetria that was a little derogatory, but um, that Cypriot song could have definitely doubled for... Something of oh, there's this. I'm, I'm hearing something when I put my brakes on in the car. This noise uh, can you tell me what it is. You either need new brakes or that's the Cypriot <laughs> entrant in the 2019 Eurovision. I don't know why you subject yourself to Eurovision. Oh, I've, I've said this about you. I love the voting, I love the I love uh, I love the cheesiness of it. Yeah. There's one little thing I don't like about it. What every song that I've ever heard. <laughs> that's, what is it about Europe that they can't produce decent music? But now Australia's in it. It's funny to see, yeah. you know. Um, How does that work? Well, because, and this is true, we were granted entry into Eurovision because of a 
of a 50 years of passionate support and viewing of Eurovision. Oh, isn't isn't that great? All right. SBS should lose their charter. <laughs> um, all right, I'm going to count you in now. Oh, hang on a sec. Now, you've made, the long, the, as long as we've done this show, you've made a big production of the fact that I script my rant off and you're delightfully off the cuff. Well, I, hello. I never said delightfully. Hello. I said brilliantly. I'm so, <laughs> hello, what's this? I I've spy some one. notes. You've yeah. written one. But I wish I typed it like yours. Okay, all right. I, you know what I admit? What? There is a skill to reading your own writing well. Well, I bloody hope so. <laughs> well, I'm, I don't think I have it. Here all we right. go. All right, three, two, one, rant. All right, the first bit is not scripted. It is simply that I knew this morning, we had a function to attend together, Rowan and myself, and I knew that there was going to be a, an angst-filled Rowan Connolly. And, and just while we... Do that. Uh, very happy 60th birthday to Howard Cotton, a very good friend of ours. And I tell and you what, audiology. and he does not look 60. I, I've known him for 20 years and I thought he's been 65 the whole time. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> sorry, Howard. Uh, great function. So, I knew he'd be in a bad mood because he's so invested in politics. I mean, he just hard on his sleeve and you, you, you heard the passion of the rant. And it got me thinking that there are people out there that they've got a finger in every friggin' pie. They just have to barrack for something always everywhere. And so I find Collingwood supporters tend to be those that are so, they're so distant from their own lives through support of teams around the world that, you know what? A lot of them need to get a life. Here's the problem, as I see it. And I'm going to do it and read it in prose, for the first time ever, a cheesy poem in Randolph. If you're a redskin from head to toe, but wearing white socks on your feet is all the go. And even though you've never ice skated in the NHL, the Penguins can't be overrated. Hoops for you is a matter of numbers. 76ers in the NBA and the 36ers here down under. World soccer, it's all about Manchester. Okay, Duncan City, I know you're united, not Manchester City. And down under, I know that it's not red, but blue. Not light, but dark. That means it's Melbourne victory for you. La Liga, it's Real Madrid. And yeah, I know, you followed Juventus since you were a kid. You love the golf, though you absolutely can't play. Never miss watching, watching Leishman. Scott O'Day in tennis. It's the menace curious, despite all his failures. And of course, you follow every team that represents Australia. A footy, of course, it's your beloved pies. AFL, VFL, AFLW, they're all teams that you love with the goal, the premiership, your prize. And as a result of your black and white connections, Port Adelaide in the Sandful Swan District in the Waffle, they're your selections. It's monochromatic all the way for a Collingwood fan. Footy, that's the one that you love the most. But you know what? In politics, it's Labor. You hated little Johnny and Jeff. On TV, you pick favourites. Even bloody MasterChef. A comprehensive, almost complete list. And I'm sure there are teams and individuals I've missed. But here's the rub. So many teams to support, some of them have to be crappy. So for the fan invested all over the world, you're never going to be happy. And that's it. Do you know people who barrack for teams everywhere? 
I do. They're usually young kids. Uh, in fact, my own son, um, he's got... No, he's, I've, I've met some that have got more. Yeah, American, yeah. European, What's English. the matter? Red Sox lost in the, in, in the 10th innings or, you know, or Le- Leicester City beat us or drew with us. And they, even if that all works right, it's like, what's the matter? Oh, didn't you see the, the NHL playoffs? No, I didn't freaking see the NHL playoffs. What about uh, Smash Up Derby? That's on ASPN. ASPN you know what you say to these people? Get a life. And they go, oh, I've got a life, mate. You know, I don't, I don't have a team in UK league sidecar racing. <laughs> yes. I don't, have, I don't barrack for everything. Well, you should. That's a, a growing sport. Now, well done. I, I enjoyed that. Uh, How many teams, honestly, do you support besides Essendon in world sport? You don't um, have a soccer team. No, well, everyone always says, every time I tweet something about soccer, everyone goes, who's your team? Well, I've never had one, and I'm, I'm quite proud of that. So, really, none. I, I guess Australia in the cricket. That's probably about it. What about you? I actually, you, you do your back for West Ham. I back for West Ham, and I do not. Always bad for Australia in the cricket. Yeah, no, well, that's no, nah, can't cop that. No, I do now. I, you know, there's certain been times, certain people I didn't like, and that's how it is. I tell you who I, I tell you who I do follow. Who? I'm a big Sunriser, Sunrisers of Hyderabad fan. But oh yeah, we feel sure. What about the Rajasthan Royals? How'd they go? Yeah. Surprisingly, they did okay. But do you know that there's a team of perennial cellar dwellers? Who are they? Who finally. Did something, the Delhi Capitals. What about their uniforms? They're always in like gold lame pants or pink or... It's... You know what? It's bloody... It's great cricket. <laughs> it is great cricket. Great commentary. Everything's fantastic about it. There are moments that are so cheesy. In the middle of every game, this company called Tasty Treats that sell, you know, instant fried noodles? Yeah. They sell them, but not a soup. You actually just eat the fried noodles. Oh, yeah. I could do that. The game stops. 30... Dancers start dancing in Bollywood. Oh, and the commentator, like Michael Slater, goes, What a great time to think about tasty treat, crispy noodles. <laughs> like 20 seconds of that. And they will say afterwards, You know what? This game's on at knife's edge. You don't want to leave home to get something to eat. Have some tasty treats. How much would you have to pay to get that in a game of cricket? Oh, I bet they can afford it, given the money that's going around in that sport. All right, that's a wrap from us. Uh, hope your team won this weekend, uh, or if they didn't, hope they get a win next weekend. Any parting thoughts? I've got a huge parting thought. Please join us because we are going to have a party to end all parties for our... Ooh, Skyhook song. Yep. Yeah, for our... Oh, it's the day after my birthday. Do not celebrate that. That's rubbish. It's on Thursday. 23rd of May, 1pm, 144 Bridport Street, Albert Park. We're all gathering at Andrew's Hamburgers. Special guests Mike Sheehan, Stephen J.P., Troy Zantuck, Rowan Connolly, and yours, Troilette. Prizes to be won. We'd love to see you there. And we welcome Nick Spartels and all the guys from his building company too. And first three people to come up to either you or me and, and say, say footyology. Or, footyology, or you can also say... Queensland was a route for the Labor Party. No, um, no, you can't. <laughs> you have to say footyology. Okay, footyology to either of us gets free lunch and a free Andrews Hamburgers caps that will be signed by Mike and Rowan. Not me, I'm, I'm shit. But all the celebrities <laughs> there will sign it. And Carl, do you uh, want to come? Our, our panel operator? And, and Carl Bianco will be there. Yeah, we can get to meet Carl, the, uh, the brains behind the operation. That, you know what? A lot of people 
feel that you have been harsh on Carl at times. Why is that? Because you say that he's on his phone doing things. Well, he is. He's not. He's, well, he's not paddle now. operating. No, he does a very, very good job for the show, and we appreciate everything he does. So I'm looking forward to Carl exacting some revenge on Thursday. Ah, terrific. Uh, it'll make sure you actually get to a place on time, too, I'm hoping. Hey, I'm always here on time. Yeah, okay. No, you were tonight. You've, you've improved lately. All right, we're, we're waffling now, so... Uh, you know, as you know, we like to go out with a song, and uh, yeah, I'm angry. So I thought, <laughs> I thought something political, funny. So I've queued up. Uh, I'm giving you a choice of two. We can either have Rage Against the Machine, or we can have some Billy Bragg. That's that's, that's you know who won the election. That's all left wing stuff, mate. Yeah, well, that's all that's in my collection. Well, I suggest you play something for the winners. Okay, all right. Well, in the uh, magnanimous spirit, which I'm not known for, um, okay, here's a victory song for the coalition who uh, were returned to government in a shock victory last night. Um, This could be their theme song. We'll see you on Thursday.